0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Busy, busy, busy. It's Thursday, September the 2nd, episode 79. Of our off-season fantasy basketball coverage here on Fantasy NBA today, I'm your host Dan Vesperus, and thanks so much as always. Yeah, you can talk sometimes for tuning in. It's a fun time of year. I say that at the beginning of every podcast because we are on the severe upswing now. People are beginning to tune back in. It is a damn pleasure to have you guys because it's bleak, man. It's bleak when it's uh, just the 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 lunatics, which I guess is basically me. I'm definitely among the lunatics, and then uh, the handful of you. It's not that's that's not fair. It's more than a handful that I'd listen through the off season. But I'll tell you, there's just something that gets me fired up when I can look at the download numbers and see the curve like bumping upwards every week. It's just a little bit bigger than the previous week after, like, two and a half straight months where it's just every week is the exact same curve over and over again. That's fun. That's fun. It's positive feedback, you know? It's positive feedback. So anyway, uh, I guess we can get this party started, can't we? Um, Welcome to the show. I'm Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Should you desire to give me a follow on Twitter, hope that you will. If there are any of you that are new... To the program, welcome in. You caught us right in the middle of a rather long expedition. We've gone spelunking, we've gone spelunking at this point. And what we are spelunking for are buckets, gold nuggets, and explosives. As you guys recall from my uh, metaphor on yesterday's show or the day before. Shout out to our uh, buddy Blake for <laughs> telling me to try to keep the metaphor going as long as humanly possible. I, I uh, yeah, no, it, it's, it's, that's, that's as much as I could do on that front. Um, yesterday, we continued our, our voyage into the buckets. In fact, this was now something that we started on the 24th of August, which was uh, last Tuesday. So this will be show number 10 on the Bespris Buckets. And I know that, you know, it seems a little bit, that's not fair, because that would include a weekend. This is show number eight on the Bespris Buckets. We did the top five, then we did six through 12, 13 through 20, up to 30, 35, 43. How, how far did we get in yesterday's show? I don't even remember at this point. I think we got as far as Rob uh, Christian Wood. Wasn't that the last one at 52 Starting to realize that this is taking longer than I expected, but the beauty of it, as I now try to rearrange my Excel spreadsheet so that I can actually see everything I'm working on at the same time, <laughs> uh, I really didn't plot this one out properly. the uh, The beauty of what we're doing right now, and the reason that it's taking so long, is that we're doing it in real time. We're doing it in real time together, because uh, I thought it'd be kind of fun for you guys to see my process, or part of it, really, because as much as I'd like to say that this is my process, this is sort of part of it, there's there's other stuff that happens off the air. If I did everything that I was doing on air, these podcasts would get long, weird, and uh, very dry. So I try to take care of some of the logistical, small, tweaky type of stuff when we're not doing the show, but a lot of what we're doing... You're getting. So we are now 13 buckets deep. By the way, this is a HoopBall presentation. HoopBall with the draft guide out now. Go get yourself a fantasy pass. Yeah, the price went up to $5.99. You missed your chance to get it at $4.99. But the price for life is still in effect. You would just get the new price for life. Fantasy pass includes full season fantasy, uh, subscription at HoopBall, it's got the draft guide, and of course it's got the B-150, the Brewski 150, the premier list in all of fantasy sports. Uh, before we do, Julius Randle, I want to remind you guys that the first of five college football odds boosts is happening tonight. That's just a few short hours from right now. Make sure to get down on it. Get down on it. Do it now. There are, there's another one tomorrow and then three on Saturday and then an NFL odds boost on Thursday of next week. That's with our buddies over at mybookie.ag. These are real wagers for real money that they shift the odds substantially in the better's favor. And here's the thing. MyBookie is our partner. That's where we want you guys to sign up using promo code HOOPBALL when you create your account. It's on the third page of sign up. Just put it in the where did you hear about us box, basically. But also, here's the thing. If you have multiple outlets, these different sports books, they're all running these things, not simultaneously but like constantly. FanDuel has one going, DraftKings has thing someone going, and Barstool I think do they have one I don't know, but my has got them and BetOnline's got them and BetUS has got like all the different online outlets whether they're offshore or on run these types of promos where you can actually not use promo bucks and instead use your real cash on a real cash wager that's just tipped way in your favor those of you that have been with us for a while on this podcast you remember last year's odds boost over the course of a full calendar year we made like about three to five hundred dollars in actual real cash dollars that you could cash out without any requirements on my bookie these are not rollover bucks this is real money and i did And I basically bought myself a Nintendo Switch with that joint. I'm not afraid to admit that. Still love my video games. I'm fine with it. So get on with us now. I mean, I don't know what this is going to be like year over year, but if they keep doing this every year, we're talking hundreds of dollars a year indefinitely. Every year you don't do it, you miss out another couple hundred dollars. So just get an account with promo code HoopBall. If you have one already, Great, then just go to it and place the wagers. Just, I, I I need you guys to win this money with me. It feels insane that there are thousands of us listening to this podcast that are not taking advantage of free money. It really is briefly growing on trees. Now let's talk Julius Randle. I've got him at number 53 this year, which I'm guessing is a hell of a lot lower than uh, a lot of folks do on the Julius front, and I get it. Because he was number 39 on a per-game basis this last year. He played in all but one game for the Knicks and averaged almost 38 minutes per ball game, going for 24, 10, and 6. Crazy awesome popcorn numbers. Two three-pointers a game. Even had himself a steal. Positive free-throw percent guy. Negative field goal percent guy because he was tasked with doing so many things. Here's the issue. Randall took almost 19 shots a game last year while basically the only offensive option on that Knicks team. Tarek Rose was there for short stretches. He had COVID. He was out for a while. He wasn't himself even after coming back. And so it's hard to weigh that in on what Randall was actually doing. But the Knicks brought in two now scorers in Kemba Walker, who, yeah, is going to miss some time, and Evan Fournier. These are guys that are going to be wanting 10-plus shots per game, probably significantly more than that on the Kemba Walker front. R.J. Barrett, he just is going to get a little bit more every year. Rose is still there. So all of a sudden, the Julius Randle gets all the usage thing just not only isn't going to be the case, but never really should be the case if you're trying to build a winning team that can do something in the playoffs. It was something that worked in the regular season because the Knicks played harder than everybody that they were against. But in the postseason, when they're just like, oh, so you're saying all we have to do is guard Julius Randle? And they did, and the Knicks flamed out quick. They will have other options. They're not elite, they're not as good as Randall, but they're going to have other options, and those guys are going to be doing stuff because you need to have more than one attack point. So Randall's usage is going to take a hit, and his value is really heavily tied up in his usage. Turnovers might come down a little bit. The negative impact of his field goal percent comes down a little bit. But the positive influence of his free throw percent, assists, threes, points. All of that stuff comes down probably more than the other stuff goes up. And if his minutes come back a little bit from 38 a ball game, well, steals will come down, rebounds will come down. The stuff that he was getting just by being on the court that didn't necessarily require the ball in his hands, all of that comes down as well. Let's assume his minutes come back from 38 to 36. His touches come down, the assists go from six to five and a half or five, the shots go from nineteen down to seventeen. That's a serious knock on someone whose value is all usage. He's an all usage guy, aside from the 10 rebounds. That's the one thing he does that's not usage tied, really. So I like, gotta bump him backwards. Maybe he goes hyper durable again. Yeah, I mean, on a on a totals basis. He dramatically outperformed his per-game rank because he was one of those few guys who made it through the year, so he was number 16 by totals. I'm just not willing to bet on him playing in that many ball games, two seasons in a row. I think there will be some sort of small injury that besets him, whether it's a five, six games. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but just something to knock him down closer to the league average. 53 might be a tiny bit on the low side, but I do think that his per-game output drops back towards that 60 range. So if you think he plays in like seventy six ball games, you can probably bump him into the forties if you really wanted to. I'm going to leave him just a little bit back of that because I do think that this is an arrow down kind of basketball player right now, from a fantasy standpoint, not reality, just fantasy. Would I rather have Julius Randall or someone like say uh, Anthony Edwards? It would be Edwards. Would I rather have Randall or Rob Covington? Probably go Randall. So he falls right into that that same range. What about Randall or Christian Wood? I'd probably go Julius Randall just because the question marks are smaller. So we'll put him in bucket 12, and consequently, I think we'll probably move him up about two to three slots in our actual rank board while we're looking at him. So Randall now moves up to number 50. I'll put him right behind Anthony Edwards. He slots in front of Lamella Ball, Rob Covington, and Christian Wood. Just trying to keep you guys posted on some of the stuff we're working on. Uh, Next name on my list is De'Aaron Fox at number 54. He finished the year strong, which was nice. He was number 70 by totals this year. He underplayed the league in total games. He uh, logged 58 out of 72 ballgames this year, but because everybody in that range played about that many ballgames, he was roughly number 72. He was in that same range on a per-game basis. The issue with De'Aaron Fox has been quite clear. He scores a a lot, he can assist, he gets you good steals, his field goal percent is actually decent for a point guard, he's lightning fast, his threes are fine but not great, and his free throw percent on high volume is refuse. It's really hard to build a team around a point guard who doesn't shoot the free throw well, especially when he's taking a ton of them. He is effectively like drafting a big man for your point guard spot because of that one category. He is, I believe, the single worst non-center free throw impact guy in fantasy sports. Maybe that's Ben Simmons, unless you're calling him like a point center at times. So Ben Simmons is the worst uh, forward, then LeBron James, and then De'Aaron Fox, which makes Fox the worst guard. And like it, it's really not all that close because he takes so many free throws. No one gets even into his, even his, his range. Andrew Wiggins is not very good there, but it's not really all that close. And then everybody else is pretty much a big man, a forward or a center. Jay Sean Tate's a wing. He's not very good. Kelly Oubre. But again, none of these guys are, are anywhere near, anywhere near what De'Aaron Fox does to your free throw number as a point guard. And I hate that. I hate drafting up a, a guy who's almost like a punt player. And maybe he gets better. He's at 72% super high volume. So every little bit he gets better, shaves a big chunk off his giant negative statistical category. I think he probably plays into that 60 to 70 range on a per game basis over the course of the year. I think he's probably going to be a tiny bit more durable than league average this coming season, even though this last year he was not. And so that's why I have him just a little bit in front of that 60 to 70 range, and I've got him in the mid-50s. But he falls back in there with uh, Christian Wood in bucket 13. So he's definitely in the next one down. I got Terry Rozier at number 55. I don't really know where this guy's getting drafted, which makes the whole thing kind of difficult. I probably... (laughs) It's a weird thing to think that I'd rather... At the end of the day, if someone was like, would you rather have Terry Rozier or De'Aaron Fox on your fantasy team this year? I'd probably lean Terry Rozier, although I'm guessing he gets drafted later than Fox simply because Fox is going to score more and his role is easier to define. But Rozier was just great this season. He was number 38 on a per-game basis, 69 out of 72 ballgames, showed a great durability as well. Three threes, Four boards, four assists, 1.2 steals, 20 points per game, positive impact free-throw shooter. If his role comes down a little bit, which it might, some of the other Hornets got better. LaMelo Ball is going to get better. They brought in Ubre, But, you know, whatever on that front, I guess. And then Hayward will start the season healthy, at least. Did unload Devontae Graham, so I guess there's a little bit less of a logjam in the backcourt. I just, I don't see why Terry Rozier takes a massive step backwards. His field field goal percent jumped up to 45 this last year. There's a possibility that comes back down. He's always been more of like a 42 range type of guy. And if that happens, yeah, that's a ding on him. But that would only then drop him back like somewhere in between where he was and where De'Aaron Fox was this last year. So I have Rozier behind Fox only because I, I really feel like He probably gets drafted later, and maybe that's something that we should worry about more in the buckets than we do on the actual rank board. So, well, let's go ahead and just flip-flop those guys. Uh, We'll put Rozier in also in number 13 for now, but the possibility he may actually get elevated to bucket 12, depending on what his draft situation looks like and the next few names on our board. Next name on the board is DeJounte Murray. I actually really like this one a lot. I, I want to take a second to talk about Murray. He had kind of a weird season, number 67 on a per game this last year, 16.7 boards, five and a half assists, one and a half steals, a three ball. Um, not good percentages, though. 79 from the free throw line was okay, but not a positive. Again, you're looking for point guards. You want them to be at least some small positive there. And then the field goal percent of 45 was a little bit of a letdown because as someone who doesn't shoot, at at least for me at least, I was thinking that he would be more of a positive or at least maybe a net neutral field goal percent guy. But then you kind of look back at the numbers, you're like, oh, he's always a 45% shooter without taking the three ball. That's not something that has changed at all. What I do believe is worth noting on DeJounte Murray is that his role is actually about to get even bigger. So, like, every year, his job just gets more intense. As the Spurs go younger and younger and he gets more and more to do, his job gets more and more important. So this last year when he was taking about 15 shots per game, that was mostly with DeMar DeRozan standing beside him. You take DeRozan's high usage out of the equation and replace it with effectively nothing – Murray's going to have to take more than his 14 and half, 15 shots a game. You've got to think that it's going to be 16 or 17 this year, and more shots is more good stuff. Let's hope his percentages take a small step forward. That's the thing that could hold him back. But I'm willing to take a chance on Murray this year just because he's so incredibly consistent in his percentages. And so I'm going to throw him also in bucket 13 because if if the percentages don't take a step forward, then he ends up probably maybe the, the third out of those four guys that we've put in the 13th bucket. But if his percentages stay where they are or even move forward a tiny bit, then uh, you're looking at potentially a very large season. He has the potential, by the way, to move up a little bit as well, but I just i I, I don't think that he gets drafted in front of those guys in 12, so I don't know that we need to make, make that adjustment right now. Gordon Hayward is number 57. He'll be better than that on a per-game a per basis, but he's not going to... He's going to get hurt at some point along the way. I'm going to put him in that same bucket. I think that we're pretty clearly in this range right now of the, hey, either these guys are going to be like top 40 per game but miss a few games, or top 65 and relatively durable. Puts him somewhere in the 50s overall. Hayward, safe, Roto, a little dicey head-to-head. He can settle into bucket 13 also. Uh, And now things start to get a little bit weird. At number 58 on our board, we've got Chris Boucher, who I've continually moved down my list. And I'm not certain that it's 100% fair. I just don't trust the Raptors to give him the minutes he needs every ball game. And Toronto actually got better on the interior during this last this this current offseason. Last year, they went into the year with just Aaron Baines and Chris Boucher. Those are like the only center options they had on the board. Midway through the year, they traded for Cam Birch, then re-signed him, traded for Precious Achua from Miami. So now all of a sudden, Aaron Baines likely to retire in that he didn't really play anyway, and Pascal Siakam is capable of playing center. So they went from basically being Siakam and Boucher able to play center to Siakam, Boucher, Achua, Birch this season. And it's going to have an impact. And maybe Boucher gets his 24 minutes a game again when it all averages out. And last year, remember, he had some games where he played like 33 against smaller teams and like 15 against bigger ones. And it was this back and forth. And and we just on the podcast were like, look, don't look at his game by game. Just look at it at the end of the month and it'll be fine. I don't know that I feel that same way this year. I think there might be weeks at a time where he just gets outplayed by Birch and Achua And he'll definitely get outplayed by Siakam, provided he's still on the Raptors when the season starts. And I worry Boucher may be the odd man out. He puts up these robust fantasy lines. His fantasy game is insanely positive. But his defense, his real-life actual playing defense, is bad. The block shots are mostly because he's making up for mistakes that either he or someone else on the Raptors made at that end of the floor. And there were so many this year. But at the same time... Because his fantasy game is so ridiculous, all he really needs is 20 minutes a game. He's that Nerland's Noel mold type guy, not at the same, not the same type of fantasy line necessarily, but only needs 20 minutes is really the story there. You can take a solid 15 to 20% off of what he did this year, and he'd still be inside the top 80. Now, that's why we have him where we've got him. I don't think he falls all the way back to 20 minutes per game. I think he still sees some playing time, but I've got him pretty close to 60, and that puts him as the start of our next bucket, and that's number 14. I have DeMar DeRozan at number 59. Uh, He was number 43 this last year, but look, he's just not going to do the same amount in Chicago that he did in San Antonio. It may not be a colossal step backwards, But it will be a step backwards. Seven assists, not happening. 22 points per game, not happening. 7.2 free throws per game, really don't think we see that happen. Really don't. The thing with DeRozan is that he's a, a guy where everything is tied up in usage in kind of a different way. It's like sometimes we're talking about guys that need to get a bunch of points and threes and assists and... uh. But, you know, something might get better if their usage goes down. With DeRozan, it's not that way. His turnovers were super efficient despite high usage. And his field goal percent was a positive. Like, sometimes with these high usage guys, like well, at least they were shooting 43% on 18 shots a game, so that won't be as awful. His field goal percent was also tied into his usage. He had points, assists, field goal percent, and free throw percent. And the only thing he doesn't do that some of the other guys do is hit three-pointers, so at least that's sort of a net neutral here. But four things come down as usage moves away from him, and basically zero get better unless turnovers goes from two to, like, 1.7. So the usage thing is just such a big deal mathematically for DeMar. And you guys know I love me DeMar DeRozan. For all these years, he's been a pillar of efficiency hanging out in that 45 to 60 range. And then he was better this year than previous seasons. And he's generally somewhat durable and he's going to need to play games in Chicago. Cause that's a team that wants to make a run at it. So I, I like the durability element. I think he'll probably play league average if maybe one or two games more than that, but that 45 per game rank, that's coming back by one to two rounds. I think. So you probably see him in the mid to late 60s on a per game basis this year. Maybe he gets into the low 60s, high 50s, and that's where we've got him on this board. I trust Demar more than I trust Chris Boucher, which, but I trust Demar less than I do like uh, most of the, some of the guys in bucket 13. So he's so more, like kind of in between the two. I'm going to put in 13 for now i'll slot him in front and maybe we even just make the move there and and move him in front of chris boucher just to make our lives simple uh but he's gonna go in 13 for now and we may have to do some adjusting on that front later and number 60 is russell westbrook we're trying to move a little bit quicker today i'm doing my best we're already what 20 24 25 minutes into the podcast Russell Westbrook at number 60 is a hard sell. He may continue to get moved down my board. I'm very, very low on him annually, but he did manage to work his way back to number 77 this last year after being unrosterable for the first three months. He was actually like a, more like a top 25 guy the, I don't know if it was the second half of the year, but perhaps a little bit later than that. He got very, very good. Number 25 the last 30 games, 23 points, 14 boards, 13 and a half assists, 1.3, uh, 1.5 steals, 44% from the field, 71 at the free throw line. He's just not going to get 19 shots a game with the Lakers and 13 assists per game. Something's coming down. He's not going to be asked to get 12, 13 rebounds per game, although I don't think the Lakers will have that big of a problem with it. Anthony Davis doesn't seem like he really wants to go get the boards during the regular season anymore. But there's just all of this stuff is coming down for Russ. He's not, there's no path for him to top 25. Top 60 is a pretty reasonable target for Russ, assuming the efficiency doesn't is actually okay. Uh, and I'll put him down there in uh, bucket th- uh, 14 with Boucher, because honestly, I just don't want anything to do with him. I, most of the Lakers at this point are lower on my board than they are on other people's boards, and I'm okay with that. Uh, here's one that I'm gonna not going to be all that thrilled about, even as we're going through it. D'Angelo Russell I have at uh, number 61, and that's probably just wrong. So the heck with it. Uh, I'm going to slide him down the board just while we're talking about him right now. I'm going to slide him down the board about eight slots, and I'm going to put him initially here in in bucket 15, and... um we may end up moving him farther down the board than that. So let's let's not even worry about D'Angelo Russell. I don't like his fantasy game. Minnesota has a lot of options now. He's also banged up all the time, so screw that. The Time Lord is the guy I actually have at number 61, and his job is going to get chewed up a bit by the acquisition of Al Horford, but Time Lord was number 48, in 21 and a half minutes a game this last year. And I I think he still probably gets somewhere near about 20 22 minutes a game. So I don't see why his per game numbers have to change all that much. They may come back a little bit if he's less on skates on defense, so like 2.1 blocks in 21 minutes, maybe that comes down to, you know, 1.7 if he's just not making mistakes to cover up the the Chris Boucher defense that we just talked about a minute ago. These teams want those guys to not have to block that many shots because it's usually a sign, a symptom of something else going on with the team. But he's not going to get completely iced out by an aging Al Horford. I like Al, and you know, we'll come across his name here in the not too distant future on our boards. But Robert Williams is is still the guy with infinite fantasy upside. And if anything happens to Al Horford, if he sits out back to backs, whatever. Those games are ones where Robert Williams jumps up to 27, 28 minutes a night, and suddenly then those are top 25, top 30 ball games. So I would rather have him than Boucher, Westbrook, D'Angelo Russell. I might even make an argument that I'd rather have the Time Lord than like a Gordon Hayward, who's probably going to be hurt part of the year, or De'Aaron Fox if the free throws become an issue. So I'm going to put him in bucket 13 for now, and it probably requires us to adjust our actual numbers on the fly and uh, we can do that after the again after the uh after the podcast me saying weird words is the actual sound of someone sending me an important text message in the middle of a sentence so um yeah time lord we're gonna slide up the the charts just a little bit next player on our list is malcolm brogdon i i think i feel pretty good about this spot for him that he, right now he's sort of sitting at number sixty two on this board, whatever number that ends up being. Um, he's safer than Boucher. He's safer than Russell Westbrook. So, uh, But he's not as exciting to me as some of those guys in bucket 13. So it's possible that we may end up needing to give Malcolm Brogdon his own bucket and move some of these other guys back a level. So I guess we can do that for now. Brogdon will be bucket 14 by himself. I don't know. I don't really know what, what we can do when you get to this point when we're doing this on the fly. These, a lot of this stuff is going to get sorted out when we're actually just piecing some of this stuff together. But here's the thing. As the Pacers got healthier later in the year, Brogdon was, was more like a top 75 fantasy asset because he does nothing on defense and his field goal percent needs to be near 50 for him to be that big damage guy or the assists need to be near eight for him to be a big damage guy. And I don't see that happening with Sabonis running a lot of the offense and Lavert running a lot of the offense. And now TJ Warren coming back to take a little bit more usage away from everyone else on the roster. I just... So the assists, I don't think, c- get there. Maybe Brogdon can get his field goal percent back up to 48, 49, like his time in Milwaukee, but his higher usage in Indiana, it seems like that's trended back towards 46 as more a reasonable goal for him. And so there's just that somewhat limited upside when his team is healthy. He's a boring fantasy winner at that point with less upside than a Chris Boucher, but a safer outlook. And maybe we end up putting those guys in the same bucket. I don't know when this is all said and done, but for now, that's how we're going to stick them. Zion is number 63, which is the ultimate in really not at all... uh, adventurous fantasy ranking because he was number 68 this last year and I just assume he's going to do pretty much the same thing. The big hope is that his free throw percent will continue to creep up by one or two percentage points annually and every time that happens he moves a little bit farther away from being a punt guy and he climbs the board by half a round, a round, something like that. But his overall game, to me, doesn't feel like it's going to make that big of a change. He's just a bull in a china shop and sometimes you put those guys in the NBA and the China shop proves to be more durable than expected. He proved to be a bigger bull than expected. (laughs) He's a monster, man. And uh, his fantasy game is quite predictable now. Uh, Super high field goal percent, bad free throw percent, scoring, some rebounds, not a ton of defensive stats. Passed a little bit better this last year, uh, but probably not a whole lot of upside beyond that. So throw him in this range. Like Malcolm Brogdon, I think he's a pretty, which is weird to call... It's very weird to call Zion Williamson a boring basketball player, but from a fantasy standpoint, he's kind of boring. He's the guy you take in this range in the mid-60s if you had some risks in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, and you're like, well, I need to get a guy who's just not going to totally poop the bed, uh, and I have some good foul shooters so far, so I don't have to worry about that element. I'm probably not going to end up with many Zions, I may bump him down the rank board if we find out that he's getting drafted earlier than this because I just don't want to have to think about it. And overall, you guys know how much I hate punt guys. And Zion's a punt guy. He's one of the worst foul shooter impact players in the NBA. But his other stuff does counterbalance that and he does then make more sense than Westbrook or D'Angelo Russell, at least of some of the later names we've just talked about on the show. How many more of these can we get through before we wrap things up? Uh, Mitchell Robinson is number 64. I think he has a chance to be a really interesting post-type guy. I would rather have Mitch Rob than Westbrook or D'Lo as well. I I, I think I'd probably rather have him than Zion just because there is to me more upside built into Robinson's shot-blocking stuff. But he profiles a little bit uh, in that Chris Boucher mold where there's the the potential to do something really special. There's all the also the potential that Nerlens Noel is just the better center and maybe there's a flip-flop that happens there uh I, I mitchell robinson to me with the risk i probably have to put him in bucket 14 but i'm actually leaning towards even flipping him a tiny bit sooner than that and then we may bring him down a peg if it turns out he's being drafted super duper late so just for our purposes here let's slide him up about four slots just so things match up a little bit better uh and he's at the back end of bucket 13 right now Waiting on public opinion. Um, let's do three more names and let's try to do them somewhat briskly here. Jared Allen is the next name on the board at number 65. He falls back in the Russell Westbrook bucket with me. I I, I was disappointed, severely disappointed, with what he looked like in Cleveland after the trade. He was number 87 this year on a per-game basis. He didn't take as many shots as I thought he would. He didn't block nearly as many shots as I thought he would. And I'm wondering if now that he got paid, does that get better, worse, or stay the same? I had a lot of hope for his upside, but playing in Cleveland was has been, so far at least, not good for him. Not good passing on that team already, and they traded Larry Nance Jr., so passing's actually going to get worse. He's the center, He's basically uncontested at that spot, and they just invested a ton of money in him, so he's still a very safe play, but there's a, to me, there was a big letdown there, so I'm throwing him in bucket 15, and I feel fine about that as we keep moving along. Jeremy Grant, also someone that goes into bucket 15, maybe even bucket 16. We saw him very much run out of gas at the end of this last season. Overall on the year, his numbers were still pretty good, I say pretty good because they weren't as good as they were for a really long time. He finished at number 81 on a per-game basis after sitting inside the top 40 for most of the season. He just totally fell apart late, ran out of gas, field goal percent went into the toilet. And I don't trust that number to get back up, especially with Detroit leaning so hard into the youth movement. He's going to lose touches to Cade Cunningham. I don't know if it's going to make his other stuff get better. Like, I like Jeremy Grant's game, he, that's why he was such a nice pick this last season, but I, like to me, there was no, nowhere to go but down for him. So Grant actually falls behind Westbrook, behind Jared Allen. I don't think he has the upside that some of these other guys do. We've talked about where if things kind of break their way, I, just, I think we saw things break his way, and then he tuckered out. And finally, Lonzo Ball, the last name we'll do today. Remember, we already have DeAndre Russell, and we slid him in behind those guys. Lonzo Ball is, to me, a, a pretty good discussion here between buckets 15 and 16. He's not good enough now with this very robust roster around him to make it to bucket 14. He's also pretty dinged up on an annual basis. So you're, the, He to, is sort of in the, the mental battle between Westbrook and Allen, but better than Jeremy Grant and D'Angelo Russell which puts Lonzo in bucket 15. His fantasy game will translate better than say like a DeMar DeRozan who almost definitely takes a step backward with his new team. Lonzo might be able to kind of hang in there and keep his numbers afloat with his new his new teammates and he was number 48 on a per game basis. But I just think little things come back. Assists might come down a little, threes comes down a little bit and uh and again and, and he just hasn't been able to ever stay fully healthy so you roll that together you're talking about per game probably falls to maybe the 55-60 range and then totals he probably falls another half round or so and that puts him kind of where we have him now which is mid to late 60s by totals and bucket 15 as we put a pin in our goodies here at 68 ball players so far Tomorrow's a Friday show. I'm hoping we can try to zip through some 20-odd of these names, maybe get us here not too far from the edge of the top 100. Once we get past that, uh, then the buckets become very clear. Then it's like a whole bunch of guys in one bucket, and then a bunch of guys that you don't have to worry about very much. So that'll be very easy. That'll probably be Monday's show if I had to guess. Tomorrow we'll try to get through the last of the we-need-to-actually-separate-these-guys-by-what-order-they're-going-in-on-draft-day because we're getting pretty close to no-man's land at this point, Remember. You know, once 75-ish players are off the board, you're pretty much free to just go get whoever you want, and that's going to take some time for us as well as we rearrange the buckets to make sense on that front. Shout-out David Williams, host of the Ball Grizzlies podcast, for putting together a Bespris Buckets Twitter graphic. That was great. Love it. You guys, everybody listening, go put your odds boost down, or all of them down, so you don't forget later. Let's win some free money together. I am Dan Vespers for Fantasy NBA Today. Hey, uh, again, if you're relatively new or you've just been th- thinking about doing it for a while, please drop a five star review on the pod. This is that time of year where I need you guys to help me get this thing back into the main, into the limelight, into the, oh, someone's looking for sports podcasts and ours will pop up. The way that that happens is I need you guys hitting the subscribe button if you haven't already and posting five star reviews with writing something nice. When that stuff all comes together at the same time, apple views that as like oh this podcast is hot right now and we get bumped up the boards and more people can find it uh we can earn additional revenue and continue to add more things at hoop ball and uh yeah and it's just all good we get more advertisers it's a positive feedback loop on that thing we can keep adding more stuff so thank you to that for that in advance i am dan vespers at dan Vesperis on twitter d-a-n-b-e-s-b-r-i-s have a lovely thursday friday weekend show coming up tomorrow we'll talk to you then